And that music can only mean one thing. The Delaware Valley Journal is on the air. The official podcast of DelawareValleyJournal.com, where you should be going every day for news about Bucks, Chester, Delaware, and Montgomery counties. Where you should be getting our twice a week newsletter. You should be following us on Twitter, DV underscore journal, and just generally hanging around because we hang out with some pretty cool people. Well, usually today we're with Bill McSwain. That's a different. I'm kidding, Bill. We kid because we love Bill McSwain is, of course, the former U.S. attorney for the Philly area. More importantly, he is a Republican candidate for governor. Welcome to the Delaware Valley Journal podcast. Thanks very much for having me. So first question is, how's it going on the campaign trail so far? Any surprises, any bumps? Is it what you expected? It's going great. And I think that once the calendar turned to 22, everybody started really paying a lot of attention to the race and the campaign started to accelerate. We had a wonderful January and the beginning of February. We picked up some really key endorsements. We've raised a lot of money. We've traveled all over the, the Commonwealth and met with, with voters in all corners of the state. We've had four debates, which has been exciting. Uh, I enjoy that aspect of the, of the campaign and um, really working hard to get our message out and it's really resonating. So Linda has a bunch of uh, questions for you uh, uh, about the, the campaign setup. I want to ask you about a current event. The uh, uh, governor, Tom Wolf, has re released his final budget plan for you know, his administration. What did you think of the budget, the priorities, the spending, and the concerns some have raised about the fact that, yeah, we're awash in cash today, but you keep that trajectory of spending going and you are absolutely going to end up in a deficit? Well, that's the big concern, right? This budget is too big, which is typical of the budgets that Tom Wolf has issued in the past. And there's gonna be pushback from the Republican legislature, appropriate pushback. And when it comes to the specifics about the, um, you know, this year, there, on the one hand, you can think that, oh, we're a wash in cash, but really it's temporary. It's temporary because of the pandemic funds from the federal government, and we should uh, be responsible stewards of that money. And if, if able, we should put some of that away as part of the rainy day fund, which is what the Republican legislature wants to do. And of course, Governor Wolf just wants to blow out the spending, which is what he wants to do every year. So. <clears throat> what we need to do is we need to be fiscally responsible in the state. And one of the main reasons why Pennsylvania is near the bottom of all economic rankings, when you stack us up against their, the other 49 states, um, is because we spend too much money. We tax too much. Our government is too big and too intrusive. We need to create an environment in Pennsylvania that is a pro-business, pro-growth, pro-jobs environment, and gigantic budgets do just the opposite. Bill, I was wondering if you could um, explain to us why the Delaware Valley voters in the Republican primary should pick you instead of all these other candidates. What makes you the best choice? Well, first of all, uh, I have a record of public service and a record of getting things done in, in, the, in the positions that I have already held in the past. And people, people know what they're getting with Bill McSwain. You're gonna get a fighter, you're gonna get a leader, you're gonna get a Marine, you're gonna get a former United States attorney. 
who has always put the needs of uh, others in front of my own needs, which is why I've lived a, a life of public service. So you're going to get a known quantity, somebody who's honest and trustworthy and, and will um, never violate his integrity. And I'm in this for the right reasons. I'm not in this because I'm looking to climb another rung on the political ladder. I've never run for office before. I'm a conservative outsider. And I'm in this to serve the people. And I'm in this uh, to make uh, Pennsylvania a better place to live, work, and raise a family. I also am the only candidate in the race that has any law enforcement experience. And I think that's very significant, especially in today's environment, where people are concerned all over the Commonwealth about rising crime. Uh, I know particularly in the Southeast in Philadelphia, crime is out of control. And uh, I'm the only candidate who is qualified and has a record to really crack down on crime and make, make public safety uh, something that uh, everybody in the Commonwealth can enjoy. So um, I think it's a combination of my priorities and a combination of my record is why, why people should choose Bill McSwain. And I can tell you that um, Pennsylvania needs change. And the only way we're going to get change if there's somebody from outside Harrisburg, a conservative outsider, and somebody who is willing to make the hard decisions and somebody with a spine like me, who's going to bring the change to our state that we need to have things like public safety, to make our economy more competitive with our 49 competitors in the rest of the country, and somebody who's going to do things like provide true educational opportunity to every child in the Commonwealth. We need school choice, uh, and that's something that is only going to happen if we have a Republican governor with a spine with the right priorities somebody like me. And we also need election integrity. Uh, and, and I'm the one who can, who can bring that to our state. And I'm the only candidate who has actually prosecuted and done anything about election fraud. I prosecute election fraud as a US attorney. I know that election fraud exists. And I'm going to do everything possible to make it easy to vote and hard to cheat. So I think I have the right priorities and I have the right background and I'm the right candidate. Well, that brings us over to uh, Act 77. Um, what would you do exactly about uh, election um, security in Pennsylvania? Well, first of all, I think the, the 20,000 foot view, Linda, is that we want people to have faith in our elections. And when people have faith in our elections, more people are going to participate. So the kind of things that I want to do, things like, for example, having universal voter ID, which is something that, that is very popular in the Commonwealth. Uh, things like banning outside private money in elections, which is also something that's popular. And I wanna take these common sense steps that are going to increase uh, people's faith in elections so that more people will, will vote. None of these measures are voter suppression measures. They're just the opposite. We want more people to vote. And the way more people are going to vote is if they have faith in elections. I also think that the no excuse mail-in balloting has caused unnecessary chaos and confusion in our elections. I believe in the sanctity of the voting booth. In the voting booth, nobody can influence you. Nobody can I tell you how to vote, nobody can fill out your ballot for you, and nobody can illegally harvest your ballot. So I think that we should be stressing 
in-person voting and, uh, and the system of voting that we've had that has served us well for generations. And I never would have voted for Act 77. Act 77 is the, is the no excuse mail-in balloting statute. I never would have voted for that. Um, it's, it's a mistake. And, um, and I want to, it's unconstitutional also now that the courts have ruled or the Commonwealth Court has ruled that it's unconstitutional. <clears throat> and so um, that's not something I support. It's not something I ever would have voted for. And, um, and I want to repeal it. So you uh, brought up the issue of ballot security. Who won the presidential race in Pennsylvania in 2020? Joe Biden is our president, and we all know that. And he unfortunately is a bad president. And in some ways, he has unified the country because he has unified the country against him. He has unified a country against the, um, the um, mistakes he's making with the economy, mistakes he's making at the border, the mistakes he's making when it comes to foreign policy, including the shameful withdrawal from Afghanistan, the mistakes he's making with with spending too much money and blowing out the spending and causing runaway inflation. So um, we are stuck with him until 2024. And hopefully they're going to be uh, better days ahead from with the leadership in Washington. But I think it all starts this year. It all starts with electing a Republican governor in Pennsylvania. And when we do that, and, and when I'm governor, uh, help is on the way and change is on the way. So as a guy who used to run campaigns and help candidates with their answers, I admire how you didn't answer my question. Very good. We will move on to the next question, which is you mentioned keeping outside money out. You're an attorney. You also know that the U.S. Supreme Court has ruled that money equals speech fun, you know, fundamentally with some restrictions, et cetera. How would you keep outside money? How, wh how would you limit the right of someone who cares about whatever, you know, they want to stop, uh, you know, uh, uh, energy development in Pennsylvania. So they don't money, donate money from California, which there's a lot of that in New Hampshire, in, uh, in Pennsylvania races. How would you stop that? The money that I was referring to is private funding of election administration. Oh, okay. Or what some people might refer to as Zuckerbucks, mm -hmm. the tens of millions of dollars that flooded into Pennsylvania that Mark Zuckerberg and his organization uh, gave to Pennsylvania, which was then directed by the Secretary of the Commonwealth, Kathy Bucar, specifically to Democratic areas in the state to pump up Democratic turnout in order to influence the election in favor of Democrats. That is partisan um, acting and, and improper partisanship on, on the part of the Secretary of the Commonwealth. And when I'm governor, I am going to appoint a Secretary of the Commonwealth who is going to have a level playing field in elections. It will be fair to everyone, Republicans and Democrats alike. But I'm specifically talking about, I would like to ban private funding of election administration so we don't have Zuckerbucks come right. to our Commonwealth. It's fascinating. Most people don't even know that government entities can take private money under circumstances like this. There was a, there's an ongoing scandal about Mike Bloomberg actually funding state uh, attorneys in the state attorney general's offices around the country only to work on green litigation so that they can sue people that Mike Bloomberg doesn't like. And fortunately, some states have turned that down. Other states are happily doing it. It's, uh, I, I just don't think people understand that, that that's even possible. And this, this issue is brought up. One last thing on the election part, and then I'll turn it back over to Linda. There's an argument that goes like this. 
yes, every election cycle, there's some cheating. It's there's always some, you know, low rent, high rent fraud, you know, Chicago, Philadelphia, maybe they're at the top end, you know, versus other places, but it's rarely significant, no income, particularly on a no, no, no impact on the outcome. On the other end, uh, yes, uh, there is, you know, voting could always theoretically be easier until you finally go to everyone's house with a clipboard and vote for them. But it's not weird to ask people, hey, if you want an absentee ballot, let us know and we'll send you one. You have to sign and show who you are. And that both of the fights that Republicans, and Democrats are having are completely in the margin. Meanwhile, we're having wildly successful elections with huge amounts of turnout. Black Americans are voting, Hispanic Americans are voting, rural Americans are voting, and that both Republicans and Democrats are simply having what is essentially a nonsense conversation to whip up their base, as opposed to admitting America's elections actually work pretty darn well. I don't think it's a nonsense conversation. I think you can all, first of all, you can always improve. But I think some of the things that you hear from the left are nonsense. Things that saying, for example, that um, voices have been suppressed or that there's voter suppression going on or that the Republican Party is, is trying to prevent minorities from voting. When meanwhile, you do have these record numbers of people participating in democracy. So it is nonsense, some of the, some of the things you hear from the left. But when it comes to trying to do the things to make our elections better and to make sure that people have faith in elections and, and instituting common sense reforms that I've mentioned, things like voter ID, things like uh, banning the private money that could come in and un unduly influence the administration of election. I, th I think those things are important. And I think that certainly when I travel the Commonwealth, I hear a lot from people who are upset about Act 77 who are upset about um, having an election, for example, and you don't even know who the winner is the night of the election or the next day or the next day. And it just seems like more and more ballots come out as they, as they trickle in and it causes people to have um, skepticism and distrust about, about the system. We don't need that, okay? And we don't need people receiving six, seven, eight, ten 10 ballots to their home unsolicited, which happens to a lot of people, I've heard from a lot of people around the state, Republicans and Democrats alike, saying, I'm getting bombarded with all these ballots. How do you even keep track of these things? Why am I getting more than one? And I didn't even ask for it. So we can make the system safer, more secure, more efficient in a way that will, that will I think, increase voter participation. Bill, in the news lately, there have been reports that the Biden administration is uh, leaning towards allowing those uh, safe injection sites. And I think you had fought a court case against that when you were U.S. attorney. What do you think about that? I think it's a terrible idea on, on many different levels. And I'll start with the most basic level, which is that it's illegal. And it's not just illegal because the statute, the applicable statute in the Federal Controlled Substances Act says it's illegal, but I actually litigate it. As you said, I had a case as U.S. attorney. I sued to stop this. I argued the case myself. I walked into court and I won that case in the Third Circuit Court of Appeals, which is the federal appellate court that covers Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Delaware. So so-called safe injection sites, which are really deadly drug injection sites, there's nothing safe about them. They are illegal right now, as we speak, in Pennsylvania, in New Jersey, in Delaware. And you have the federal government now saying that they're just gonna ignore the law. How can we have a culture of respect 
for the rule of law? How can we have a society that is based on respect for the law if we have the federal government literally thumbing its nose at the law? And it was the same government that I worked for just a few months ago where we, we won this case. And it's clear from the court's opinion that these, these sites are illegal. Now the same government is turning around a couple months later because we have a new president saying, well, we're not really gonna pay attention to that ruling. That is shameful, absolutely shameful. And so that's the, the main reason why these sites should not exist. But also as a policy matter, I think they're dangerous and they're, and they're not gonna help with the opioid crisis. What you're basically doing is you're perpetuating and normalizing and promoting the kind of behavior that's going to kill you. We need to get people into treatment. We need to fund treatment centers and we need to require people to go into treatment, encourage them to go into treatment. There is no requirement with these uh, deadly drug injection sites for people to go into treatment. They are, they are li literally a concierge service for illegal drug use where you make it as easy and as painless as possible for people to come in and shoot up and there's no requirement to go into treatment and do anything other than to get high. If that's not the right message from the government. That's not the right message from society. And it's only gonna to lead to more addiction and more death. Bill, there's another deadly activity that's on the rise in Philadelphia, which is carjackings. Uh, what would you as governor be able to do about that? You're absolutely right about that. The carjacking epidemic, in particular in Philadelphia, is just shocking. We even had a, a Democratic congresswoman carjacked at gunpoint in FDR Park in broad daylight a few weeks ago. Um, so it, it's it's literally touching on, on all segments of society, and these attacks are becoming more and more brazen. So there's all sorts of things that you can do as governor. First of all, you can be a, a voice that supports the police. Uh, a voice that supports law enforcement and supports public safety instead of a voice that's promoting lawlessness and, and promoting these kind of activities, which is what Governor Wolf has done. He has not supported the police at all. He, in fact, marched with uh, protesters carrying signs that said blue lives murder during the pandemic. Okay, That is absolutely the wrong message to be sending to anybody and especially to criminals. So you can, um, you can do a lot with your messaging, you can do a lot with your budget, you can fund the police, and um, you can also, you know, there, there are some creative solutions and, and there's some legislative solutions to dealing with this problem. Just giving you an example, I think we need bail reform in our state. If you are charged with a serious felony, you should not be then released to go back on to to the street, okay? You should be detained pre-trial. And a lot of these carjackers are repeat offenders. And they're repeat offenders because they are let out of jail and it's just a, a revolving door of justice. When they're arrested for one offense, they're immediately out on the, the street and they commit another offense. And one of the things that I know in my bones as a prosecutor is that the vast majority of serious violent crime, including carjackings, is committed by a small percentage of people. And you need to have a tough on crime approach with those people. They need to be in jail. And if you had that approach, these carjackings would plummet. Um, Bill, will you be an energy friendly governor? Uh, will you uh, get rid of that uh, Reggie, the regional uh, greenhouse initiative that uh, Governor Wolf is dragging Pennsylvania into once you become governor, if you become governor? 
Absolutely. I will be a pro-energy governor. We have tremendous natural resources and natural gas um, that, that should be extracted in Pennsylvania that can support our economy and support the country and support the world with, with its energy needs. And uh, I absolutely, if we are part of Reggie, uh, when I become governor, I will get us out of it immediately. Now, Governor Wolf is trying to get us unilaterally into it and the legislature is pushing back. If we are in it, when I'm governor, I will immediately get us out of it. The people who are pushing Reggie want natural gas to go the way of the dinosaur. They, that is their goal. And that is short-sighted and irresponsible for a number of reasons, including because of climate issues. The, the progress that we have made when it comes to reducing greenhouse gas emissions over the last two decades is almost entirely because of the use of clean burning natural gas, replacing other kinds of, of, um, of energy sources that pollute the environment. So we, if you're pro-climate, you should be pro-natural gas, not anti-natural gas. So um, there are big economic benefits to our state by being a pro-energy governor, and there are big climate benefits to our state. And Reggie would do nothing but export jobs from Pennsylvania to other states who are not part of Reggie. So part of making us uh, economically competitive is we, we should not be a part of Reggie. And when I'm governor, we will not be. You know, it's fascinating you mentioned the carjacking because Congresswoman Scanlon was carjacked. The brother of Lieutenant Governor candidate uh, Clarice Schellinger, uh, the Republican, he was carjacked. You know, I don't think you really rank as a candidate, Bill, until you've been carjacked. I think we should, should watch that. That'll, that'll, that's when you'll know your campaign is really going, you know, taking off. I want to ask you one last question for you. And thanks for being part of the Delaware Valley Journal podcast. So there are Trump Republicans. There are Gingrich Republicans, Rand Paul's, you know, the Libertarian Republicans, or Ike. There were even Arlen Specter Republicans. I think they're called Democrats. Uh, if someone asked you, what kind of Republican is Bill McSwain? You know, what kind of values is he going to use as governor when it comes to things like balancing the state power versus local power, balancing individual rights versus you know, the need for community order? What kind of Republican is Bill McSwain? I'd say that I'm a patriotic Republican. I'm a pro-America Republican because I believe in the values that are founding values that have been the source of American greatness. I believe in liberty. I believe in uh, freedom. I believe in opportunity. I believe in hard work. I believe in risk-taking. Um, and I think that those are the things that um, we need to return to. We need to return to our foundational values and those are values that serve everybody's interests, Republicans, Democrats, independents, everybody. But I think that they are bedrock Republican values. And I also want to be the candidate who unites the party and, and unites the state. I, I, um, you know, I have credibility with the Trump voter, the Trump Republican, because I was appointed by President Trump to be the United States attorney. And I'm the only candidate who has been entrusted by President Trump to do anything. But um, there are other kinds of Republicans in, in the party as well. There are libertarians, you've got um, more establishment Republicans. And I, I want to I unite the entire party behind principles that are going to benefit all Republicans and really all Pennsylvanians in, in the state. And I think that is going to be one of the keys to my victory. Once again, as a former flack, outstanding job of navigating that question. Linda, I have a complaint. 
Oh, yes. What's that? You got to stop booking smart guests. I need dumber people who will answer the questions <laughs> that I ask so that I can cause trouble. I'm not going to be able to cause trouble with smart guests. We'll, we'll, we'll talk with this after the podcast, Linda. Uh, Bill, Bill McSwain, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. We obviously are covering uh, your race with great interest at Delaware Valley Journal, and uh, we appreciate your time. Well, thank you very much for having me. I've enjoyed being on with you, and, and I hope to be back in the future. And I, and I, uh, I guess I'll have to give you a few more smart answers. Uh, <laughs> <apologize> <laughs> <that> time. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. Thank you. Take care. Thanks so much for listening to this edition of the Delaware Valley Journal on the air. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share it with your friends, post it on social media. And if you haven't, sign up for our twice a week newsletter so you don't miss any of the terrific content from DelawareValleyJournal.com. Thanks again. I'm your host, Michael Graham.